SatellitePhoneStore.com. The most important thing to do is remember Mac, M-A-C-K, like the good Sheriff Mac, Mac 50, Mac 50 is your code to discounts, uh, benefits, and your satellite phone today. They can ship right away at Sat123.com, Sheriff. Yes, and I, my phone is on its way, and uh, we plan on getting you one also, Sam. Uh, this is probably the epitome of preparedness, being able to communicate uh, no matter wh- what the weather is like, no matter where you are, any po- any place on the planet, Sam, these phones work because they reach up to the satellites and, and not to a tower uh, that is subject to, well, weather. <laughs> so, yeah, because they're uh, twenty, the satellites are twenty-two thousand miles up in the air, Sheriff. Correct. Yeah. So it's in a stratosphere of its own, and so, uh, folks, this is this is really vital when it comes to family preparedness. Uh, and so, uh, get your satellite phones today, and also, Sam. Uh, I would like to remind everybody to become members of the CSPOA Posse. Go to CSPOA.org, become a member today of the greatest organization on the face of the planet that is both a peaceful and effective solution. Having a constitutional sheriff in your county is the solution for America today. We take back America county by county, state by state. One really important thing to know, ladies and gentlemen, some people are calling me and saying, Sam, you know what, there's just, I don't have time to attend the posse meetings once a week, and you know what, I've already got your materials and I'm familiar with you, why should I be a member of the posse? And I think it's a great, fair question to ask, Sheriff, and my response to that is simple. When you do $99 a year and or $11 a month to become a member of the posse, you are literally funding our ability to not only conduct the uh, weekly posses, but to to do this TV show, to do a lot of the things that we're doing uh, with traveling, uh, the training when we go to sheriff's offices. You know, I told you it costs five to six grand to train. That just covers the nuts and bolts of some of the things. But what about all the materials and the books and the and the ability to answer your phone call and the website and the updates that we do and the appearances on other radio talk shows and TV shows and, and all that we do at the CSPOA is literally funded by we the people. So when you're a member of the Posse, understand you are making all that possible. And I don't want to go over for uh, about a commercial on this, but I do want people to know where their money's going. And I do want to know what it accomplishes when you're a member of the Posse. If you say, Sam, I haven't talked to you in two months. What are you doing for me? I recommend going to CSPOA.org and keeping tabs on the news section. I recommend watching our TV show on Brighteon TV. And I recommend keep an eye on our travel schedule and, and what we're doing. Keep an eye on the news stories. Uh, whenever there's negative news stories written about us, you know we're right over the target and catching flack, Sheriff. That's for sure. Yes, and Sam, uh, I was thinking about our guest today, and I was uh, remembering the first time we met him, St. Charles, Missouri, and he was named uh, CSPOA Constitutional Sheriff of the Year for the entire country. And I I remembered the event, and we had about 40 speakers, and um, I think Shane Krauser was one of them, but I remember, I remember uh, Sheriff Clark's speech, and he held up a pocket constitution. 
and he says, I don't have it memorized. Uh, and, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not necessarily a scholar, but I keep this handy and I keep it with me and I'm able to refer to it, uh, on a daily basis. And I, I I'll never forget how humble he was, uh, in presenting the idea that maybe peace officers should have a pocket constitution with them, uh, 24 seven. And, uh, Amen I never to that. forgot that. And, now the and power Sam, went out it, when he gave his speech, Sheriff, as well, and he stood up on a, a, a almost on a night. soapbox because <laughs> there was a, there was like a, a tornado warning, and the power went out, and so he gets up on this box and he's like, "Hey, I'm not really a constitutional scholar." By the way, that's the only part of his speech I disagreed with when he says he's not a constitutional scholar. Other than that, David Clark Jr., welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thanks a lot. It's good to be on with you. Oh, there's so much going on, ladies and gentlemen. Sheriff Clark has his finger in a lot of things. He's president of America's Sheriff LLC. He's president of Rise Up Wisconsin. Uh, He's a well-known author. He's a sought-after speaker. He's the host of an incredible podcast called Straight Talk with America's Sheriff David Clark. And best of all, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he is working on the True Blue streaming service. AmericasSheriff.com is where you can learn more. Uh, Sheriff Clark, I wanted to start with this incredible thing that I've learned about. I discovered it. I was getting ready to interview the people regarding it, which I've got an interview set up with them, but I found out you were the core of how they got involved in the first place. And so I wanted to get you on to talk about election fraud uh, is real. It exists and we've got to do something about it, right? Exactly. It is real. It does exist. The, the left, the people who do not like this country, are trying to bastardize our election systems. And once they get control of that, it's all over. It's, it's, it's Katie bar the door. Uh, there's a lot wrong with our election process in the United States of America. Our voter rolls are not clean. They're susceptible to fraud. They're susceptible to corruption. There's no doubt in my mind, we saw that in the 2020 election there are mountains of evidence uh, to suggest that. And, and at the very least, there's a lot of irregularities. But the thing is that the, the voter rolls, the voting system, the election system is susceptible to fraud and people are taking advantage of it. And so if we don't point this out and if we don't clean these voter rolls out, look, I'm, I, you, Sheriff Mack, we're being disenfranchised when our vote is canceled out by people who should not be voting. We're talking about ghost ballots, for heaven's sakes. That's the problem in the United States. It's not the counting. We focus too much on uh, counting the ballots after uh, election night. we got to make sure that those ballots are even legal. Otherwise, they shouldn't be counted. Well, amen to that, Sheriff Clark. And and the, the other thing, too, is the national media is pounding and pounding and pounding the brainwashing and the propaganda scam that there is no evidence of voter fraud in America. You just said, and Sam and I have both said the same thing, that there are mountains of evidence. And indeed there is. Uh, uh, Can you give us example one, example of election fraud in America? Yeah, kind of did already. They're called ghost ballots. And what a ghost ballot is, see, the voter roll, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds, 
to to confuse your 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 listeners and your viewers, but when you have a voter roll, uh, everybody who's on that roll has to be legally able to vote. The problem is they won't clean these rolls up. Dead people, people who no longer live in that state, people who are no longer qualified to uh, vote in in U.S. elections are left on the roll. And they they do this thing where they, you know, whoever's running the elections in these states, Wisconsin, it's Wisconsin Election Commission. Okay, so put a little notation that this person uh, doesn't live here anymore, so on and so forth. But when it comes time to ask for ballots, and we had this pandemic that went on, so-called pandemic anyway, and that allowed for mass mail-in voting, first time in the history of our republic. And so they mailed a ballot to every person on the voter roll, whether they were dead, whether they were no longer lived in the state, whether they hadn't voted in the last 10, 15 years. Those people should be removed from the, the, the voter roll, but they're not. That's why the, the cheaters are able to print up ballots and then go to that list, find those people who won't be showing up on election day or won't be mailing back a ballot. They fill it out and then they send it in. They do what's called ballot harvesting, where they'll have somebody collect a thousand of these things that are out there and drop them in a, a ballot box somewhere that, that's unmonitored. Nobody's watching it. And that's how you end up with all these mysterious ballots on election night. And that is what a, a, a ghost ballot is. So what's, okay. what has to happen, I mean, they're not going to clean the voter rolls up fine. I mean, I, I'm not saying fine, it's okay. I mean, that, that's probably an impossible task. But instead of worrying about counting and monitoring the count at, at Election Central, those ballots need to be examined. You need to have somebody from both parties, one Democrat, one Republican official, looks at the ballot, then looks at the voter list and says, hey, John Smith here living at this address is dead and he's been dead. Or you look and you look at the address because it has to be a legal address. And when you look and it's marked with a P.O. box, this is actual stuff that's happened by the, the people, Jay Valentine, who's examined this stuff. You know, well, it, it's it's well past the election, but it exists. And so you look and there's a P.O. box that is not a valid address and that ballot should not be counted. You look and you see the address is a single family home, but 25 people sent in a ballot with that address. That's an irregularity that needs to be investigated, but it's not. It's just counted anyway. So I could go on and on for the whole show talking about the irregularities and the ample, the mountains of evidence. But you know what? It just falls on deaf ears, including with our courts. But I'll tell you what's not falling on deaf ears is what David Clark brought to fruition, ladies and gentlemen. There is an IT company called FractalWeb.app or FractalWeb.app. Fractal is F-R-A-C-T-A-L, FractalWeb.app. And Fractal uh, has an incredible new, it's like Web 4.0 technology, if you will. And this technology is an incredible database that is wicked fast. And what they're able to do now is gather information from all kinds of places. The voter rolls. 
uh, using all kinds of other comparative data, such as um, information from the counties, etc. And they're able to put all this information into their massive new wicked fast database, and they're able to find voter roll problems and fix them. And so rather than focusing so much on, hey, they've defrauded us, everybody already knows that, except for the government and the media who won't admit it. Uh, but how do we solve the problem? David Clark, how did you find these guys? How did you come to them and get them on the project? Because this is huge when it comes to solutions, sir. Yeah, well, after the 2020 election, I was involved in Wisconsin anyway with uh, the election steal, if you will. And we were holding rallies. We were holding protests over the irregularities of the 2020 election. And this Jay Valentine had kind of seen me um, doing some interviews on TV and the like. And he got a hold of me and he explained who he was. And, and I, let, me, let me take just 30 seconds to explain who Jay Valentine and this fractal technology is. They started with investigating insurance fraud. So they're insurance fraud experts and they developed, developed this technology to cross-reference all of this data, all this information coming in on insurance claims and you're able to find red flags. That in and of itself doesn't mean there's fraud, but it, it requires further investigation. That's where the fraud is uncovered. So he felt he could do this with voter information. And one of the biggest things uh, that he's doing because he's done this using the actual voter information from 2020, comparing with property tax records, for heaven's sakes. That's simple. Every city has property tax rolls. You put that information in. That's how you can find out that a guy or a woman, whatever, is voting from a vacant lot when you cross-reference it with the property tax rolls. And a property tax says roll says that's a vacant lot. Or it says it's a single-family home. And you're finding ballots where 25 people um, applied for and sent their ballot back from a, a single family home that, that has, you know, 25 different people living there, which is in and of itself. Could that be? Yeah. You know, I guess you, you could find a place where 25 people are living there, but it's highly unlikely. So what we're not doing in Wisconsin and other states, we're not cross-referencing all of this rich information that we have on people to find out people, places, and things to figure out if that's a legal ballot, because if it's not a legal ballot, I'm being disenfranchised. That's right. Well, uh, so you've also heard recently where a judge in uh, New Jersey nullified the election because he found the judge found that uh, there was election fraud going on. Uh, you're very familiar with that case, are you not? Somewhat. I mean, I got my hands full with what's going on here in Wisconsin. But, you know, as it relates to nullifying an election, that's very rare. And that should really only right. be done in the most extreme of cases. I, I think it's, it's easier to just get rid of the ballots that don't count. You don't need to nullify the whole election. I'm not saying you shouldn't have done that. But that's not right. necessary if you take advantage of the technology and the wealth of information that's available on the voter logs, and you use that, you get those, what, however many, I'll just use a round number, you get those thousand ballots out of, out of there and just count the rest. Well, you mentioned that the judges, the courts, don't seem to be too sympathetic with any of the evidence that has been produced the last two or three years, uh, even the United States Supreme Court. 
what is the problem there? Is is it that the courts are just too corrupt or too controlled or what? What? Why is that the case? And when it comes to that, I don't think the courts are corrupt at all. Look, they don't see this as their purview. This is a legislative, and it's by the Constitution, all right? It's the states that control their elections. Federal government has a role, but the judges would rather not step into this 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 um, cesspool and get dragged into it and then be accused of, you know, favoring one party over another. What their attitude is, is let the legislatures, let the Congress sort this out. That's why they don't want to get their hands dirty with this stuff. I can't hardly blame them. I mean, there's times where they should, but they don't want to be the bad guy in all this. This is because the state legislatures and the Congress won't fix this damn thing so that this stuff, it's harder for it to happen. And the courts are saying, this is not our job, it's your job. And, you know, they, they got a good argument there. It is the job of the well, legislature. They do. And to prove the point further, Congress, uh, you know, forget January 6th for a second. Um, they had an obligation to investigate, and they literally refused to do so. They used January 6th as the excuse. They ignored all those who were demanding an investigation. There were many of them, by the way. And they simply didn't do their due diligence even at the general level, Sheriff Clark. Yeah, well, the bottom line is, you know, com- coming into 2024, you're going to see a lot of this happen again because the Democrats, let's be honest, it's the Democrats. They've perfected it. They've perfected election fraud. Um, yes. They don't even hide it anymore. They just deny, you know, they call us election deniers. They call us all these names, um, <laughs> conspiracy theorists. I don't care what people call me. I want clean, fair, and honest elections in this country. Otherwise, gentlemen, we don't have a republic. Amen. And by the way, who can criticize wanting open, fair, transparent, honest elections? By the way, Judicial Watch, back in 2020, uh, uh, Tuesday, October 20, 2020, uh, Judicial Watch released this press release to make the point uh, that Sheriff Clark is making about ghost ballots. Judicial Watch finds 1.8 million ghost voters in 29 states, and they warn of, quote, dirty elections. So, um, you know, if, if you've got <laughs> Washington Times reporting on that in 2020, just think of what we've discovered since. But the good news is when we identify problems in the voter rolls using fractal technology or fractalweb.app, these people aren't here to pick sides, Republican or Democrat. They're here to simply say, look, we can partner with your state, your county, your voter roll, We can run it through our information, catch the problems. Let's transparently fix them. Let's get rid of Eric so there's no transparency. Let's have our roles be transparent, and and we can solve this thing. We don't need even to take on the political discussion. We just simply need to say, look, facts are here. There are errors. Let's correct them, David Clark. And that's really what you brought the fractal technology to the table to do. And I think that's one of the great answers because who can argue with saying, look, we can run this database, prove there's errors, and fix them. Isn't that really the key to the exercise? Uh, it's maybe not the whole solution to election integrity issues, but it's certainly the start that everybody should agree on, right? Sure. We want to keep this simple uh, for people because it is kind of simple. It's the people who are doing the fraud that want to complicate it and confuse people. And, and you know, that's why I said we don't need to get too deep in the weeds because that's what that does. But that's what the Democrats like to do is confuse people. So, uh, again, with, with early voting taking place, that has kind of changed things. And that's kind of a recent phenomena. 
I mean, there's always been absentee voting, but states have changed their laws, which they're allowed to do. You used to have to have a valid reason for an absentee ballot. So in other words, if you're going to be traveling, you had to show an itinerary or something. But now all you got to do is request one. And with what happened in 2020, they did a mass mailing of everybody on the voter rolls got a ballot, whether they wanted one or not, whether they've even ever voted. There's people on the voter who registered who just plain and simply don't vote. If you've not voted in the last three, four elections, your name needs to be removed. You can vote later on. You'll just have to re-register. So we're not denying anybody the right to vote. That's what the left calls it. You say we're denying people the right. No, you do like everybody else has to do. You re-register, and it's a simple process. You show up on Election Day with a utility bill showing you live at a certain address. It's that simple. Look, we're not trying to make voting impossible. We're trying to clean it up. And until we do... You know what? People aren't going to have any faith in the system. And here's another thing. Elections on, on for president comes down to about seven swing states. That's about it. The other states really don't play a role because those things are locked into either, you know, Democrat or Republican control. So you're talking Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and now maybe Georgia. Uh, one point, whatever you mentioned, million votes can swing an election. Donald Trump lost Wisconsin by about 18,000 votes out of uh, two and a half million cast. He lost Michigan by about 30,000 votes. He lost Pennsylvania by like 40,000. He lost Arizona by like 12,000. So just a vote here or there, which is why you need to focus on the ballots and, and, and not the count. They can swing these elections, and that's what's happening here. The Democrats have perfected this in these key states. And you know what? A lot of people just, when they see this stuff going on, this is another thing is they just go, why should I bother voting? It's all corrupt anyway, and they won't participate. So that hurts as well. Right. Well, Sheriff Clark, when uh, don't you believe that early voting, though, lends itself to cheating? Or is there a way to do that and and be accurate. Yeah, there's a way. Look, you know, the, the Constitution's clear. The legislature set the rules uh, on voting, and they're all different. Every state's different. We don't need anything consistent. It's within the Constitution. So if you're going to allow for more early voting, you have more time to make sure that those ballots coming in are valid and that they're legal, and they're not taking advantage of that. All right, they're just counting them on election night. Uh, or the next day, you know, you, you hear this, well, we're not sure yet because, and, and forget about ever knowing who's going to win a presidential election that night, like, you know, you and I were uh, used to growing up. We knew that night before we went to bed who the next president was going to be. Now it's weeks, it's been months uh, in some of these states to determine what the challenges that go on. So as long as you're going to do early voting, you have the opportunity through this fractal technology to run that ballot through cross-reference it with all this information to find out, yeah, this is a lawful, legally casted ballot, and then count that one. The other ones, no good. Toss them. That makes sense. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, now let, let's wax a little bit political. Uh, it's common knowledge that you have worked closely with uh, former President Donald Trump. Are you still working with him and are you still supporting him politically? And uh, where does that stand? 
Yeah, I'm supporting him 100%. Uh, I don't have a direct active role right now. Look, I, I do what, what people ask me to do. I don't volunteer myself. I don't pester people. I say, hey, if you need me, call me. So I'm sure there'll be a role for me like there was in, in 2016 and 2020. Uh, so we'll see. But again, you know, I just want what's best for this country. I think he's the right person. Once again, like he was in 2016, the world is on fire. This country's upside down. It's going to take strong leadership, the kind that he's already exhibited. He already comes tested. We already know what we're going to get. Unlike these other people running, we don't really know. They're probably good people, but we don't know what we're going to get. I want to prove, I want proven leadership to settle this damn country down, to put the fires out around the world and kind of give people a chance, um, you know, to live a decent life, a peaceful life, one that's not so anxiety filled like people are feeling right now. And so I think that person is Donald Trump. Is he the only one? No, but I'll tell you what, he's the only tested one. Well, another thing uh, that I wanted, I've always wanted to ask you, um, I thought that President Trump made a mistake uh, while serving as president. And I'll tell you why. One of them is, is that he interviewed you for, I believe, Director of Homeland Security. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't pick you. Uh, and, and it's not just you, but I believe that if he were to really drain the swamp, he's got to pick people like Ron Paul, Sheriff Clark, uh, and, and other staunch constitutional conservatives, uh, instead of pick, picking people like William Barr and other people who are from the swamp. Uh, what do you say to that? I, I think he picked far too many people from the swamp. If you're going to drain the swamp, don't pick people from the swamp. Well, what do you say to that? Well, yeah, I mean, let me kind of sort through that a little bit. A lot of this, when you become okay. president of the United States, it's trial by error. Uh, he had never served uh, in any capacity in, in government as an elected official. So you come in, especially Washington, D.C., steeped with all these swamp creatures, and you got to be yes. able to sort it. You have to trust people. When you come there, right, you, you know, people say, hey, look at this person over here for this. Look at this person over there for that. You have to trust them because you don't know all these. He didn't like unlike Joe Biden, he didn't spend a half a century in Washington, D.C. He didn't know all of these people. So sometimes it's trial and error. Uh, I would agree on but some he, of that. But but he again, knew you. He knew you. Well, there's a couple things, though. Um, you're right. I did interview uh, he said, we're going to find a role for you somewhere in this administration. I need you here. And I just said, hey, I wasn't yeah. looking for a job, gentlemen. I, and I told him, I said, I'm not looking for a job. If you need me to serve, I'll serve. When the president calls and asks you to serve, you serve. So they found a different capacity, right. which actually worked out better. But the thing is, you got to be able to get these people through a Senate confirmation. And I've pissed a lot of people <laughs> off in Washington, D.C., yeah. including some Republicans. Because I don't play that party line, you know, well, he's a Republican, I won't say anything bad. If I think they need criticism, they're going to get it. And so one of the things right. the president has to consider, not just with me, with any selection, can I get him through the Senate confirmation process? Because if you can't, it doesn't make any difference because you're not going to get confirmed anyway. It's part of our Constitution advising consent. And so that was one of the considerations. And so they found another area that he could appoint me to 
and get by Senate confirmation, which would have been a assistant to the Secretary of Homeland Security at the time was John Kelly, but that didn't work out either. Look, I didn't trust John Kelly. I thought he was a snake, and it turned out that he was. Uh, he was an open mm-hmm. border supporter. He was an Obama holdover or leftover, I should say. And so I don't think that would have worked. But they found another role for me as a surrogate in their super PAC, America First. And I was, you know, unencumbered by, you know, I didn't have to worry about uh, people attacking me and then coming to the president and saying, hey, you got to get rid of this guy and so on and so forth. Life works out. It usually does um, in ways that are better that we don't often see at the beginning. So going in, as a matter of fact, the president called me one morning after uh, I accepted the position of the surrogate for America First, the super PAC, Trump super PAC. And he said, that's probably a better decision, David. He always called me David. He said, oh, you don't want to come in here. This place is a mess, meaning the administration and me in Washington, D.C. So it worked out, uh, you know, in my but favor. But that's, yeah, that, to me, that's exactly where we needed you. And and I would have I would have loved to have seen you take over the FBI. All they do with the FBI is change the name on the door. It's always some insider, some career FBI agent that has been there forever and that uh, is more loyal to the organization than they are to the American people. And something needs to happen where there's a different director of the FBI. And me, I'm all for getting uh, the, the FBI abolished, but then we'd still need to that gap with something. But I, I just don't believe that uh, the presidents have been picking the right people in some of those cabinet positions and especially director of the FBI. Yeah, Amen to that. You know, he, he, Amen he to knows that. Sheriff Clark, Clark might, be, be, better might be in the second Trump administration, though. What do you say to that, Sheriff Clark? I think there's going to be a second Trump administration. Well, like I said, you know, I try not to make this about me. President will have a, a lot of people and a lot of things to sift through. Like I said, if he calls, I will answer the call. Uh, I got to watch the clock. I have a doctor's appointment coming up, but um, you know, we'll see. Take take this one day at a time. We're still a long ways from November. A lot will happen. A year ago, no one would have predict, predicted that the Middle East would be on fire. And that's why I caution people: let's just take this one day at a time, and uh, we'll see how this goes as we move into November of 2024. Do you think Fractal Web uh, is one of the great keys, though, to get a start on uh, election honesty and integrity? I think that really needs to be that story needs to be told all across the country, Sheriff. Sure, but they need to adopt the states. We're talking about the seven states need to adopt it, and if the legislatures won't adopt it, they're not going to make any difference that the information or, or the technology exists to clean up elections. It had, you mentioned Eric, and we're, we're getting way in the weeds. We started getting into Eric, which stands for the Electronic uh, Records Information System. Uh, we got to get rid of that, get these states. A lot of states have bailed on it, including Texas. I think Iowa or Indiana bailed on it. There's about five states left that are involved in it. They all need to get out of it and replace it with something like fractal technology. We can easily clean these voter rolls up, but there's no will on the part of legislators. Democrats and Republicans to do anything about it. That's the sad part. Well, Sheriff Clark, we want to thank you for bringing this technology forward and tying the, you know, getting Jay and the crew over at Fractal together to work on this. This is one of the solutions, and that's why we thought we'd bring it to the table. Thanks so much. We'll have you back soon, sir. My pleasure. You guys be well. 
There he goes, Thank David you, Clark Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Sheriff Mack and Joe Arpaio used to have this fr- friendly, funny kind of debate about, you know, who's the, the top dog sheriff or whatever. And it was kind of funny. The it was in sheriff in America. That's right. And they had that. Now the question is America's sheriff. Who is America's sheriff? AmericasSheriff.com is Sheriff David A. Clark Jr. Uh, but you would probably be America's constitutional sheriff, Sheriff Mack. Yes, uh, and and I think that's a, a, an appropriate uh, title for Sheriff Clark. Uh, he, Amen. Well, first of all, we didn't give a, we didn't give very much of his background. He was in law enforcement for about thirty seven years. Forty years, and yeah. He thirty four years. Four zero. Oh, 40. Okay, yeah. Okay, I was close. And and the thing of it is, <clears throat> he was uh, a very creative. Uh, and courageous sheriff of Milwaukee County uh, in Wisconsin. And and he even fought with the chief of police of Milwaukee Police Department and and said, uh, why are you supporting gun control? And Clark asked that to the chief of police there. And Sheriff Clark was supporting the citizens being trained and being armed and being ready to defend themselves against the criminal element of Milwaukee. And for some idiotic reason, the chief of police there and many others were saying, no, we need to get rid of guns. And and so he said, well, how would people defend themselves from the criminal element that's being uh, in, increased so much here in our city? And it turned out that Sheriff Clark was correct and people started defending themselves and crime started going down. And th- this was an amazing, courageous man. He was honored by the NRA, uh, in Law Enforcement Officer of the Year. He was honored by the CSPOA. And Sam, that was one like our third meeting. And it was a, also a, a very um, amazing meeting because that's also when we did uh, Deputy Stan Lennick, Deputy Sheriff of the Decade, and Sheriff Clark, the Sheriff of the Year, uh, Constitutional Sheriff of the Year. And then we had, as you mentioned earlier, we had the tornado uh, near St. Louis that <laughs> shut the meeting down. And uh, it was that, that was a hoop because what did we do? Sheriff Clark and I just kept the meeting going in the tornado shelter. And oh yeah, we're I stood literally up on in this, the we're literally in this brick hallway kind of a place that's like super secure, yes. no windows, no nothing. It's dark. There's only like um, what do they call them? Illuminary floodlights for exit, kind of on, and nothing else is on. It's dark. Yes. Sheriff Clark stands up on this chair that we gave him, and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to go ahead and give my speech anyway. Thank you for having me. I got my constitution right here. I've got your backs. Thank you for having my back. It was a great." It was a great meeting. But, Sheriff, before the end of the hour, I want to move to something to drive this election fraud issue home. You know, we need to clean up the voter rolls and the voter ballots. We also need to clean up the donations uh, that go on, too. James O'Keefe just put out a video. It's entitled, Did You Donate 8,000 Times? (laughs) And he goes to someone's door, and the poor lady's like, what? Of course not. Are you kidding me? Anyway, uh, here it is. We can't play it all because it's long, but here's the start of this. I want you to watch it, and then I want your comments. Here it is. Did you donate 8,000 times? 
even if it were true, why is that an issue? Well, it doesn't seem possible that you donated that many times. You're right, you're right. It <laughs> doesn't, so that's actually disturbing. We're investigative reporters. We're just trying to figure out there's some fraud happening. You're, this is your name on the FEC website. I can't imagine that I did that. that that's like impossible. That's impossible. It's impossible. Look, my name is James O'Keefe. Have you heard of that before? Yes, I have. You've heard of James O'Keefe? Yes, wait. <laughs> James O'Keefe. Come in? Like you want to come in? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'd come in, yeah. There's this data that we looked at from this man in Wisconsin who compiled all the FEC data, and your name in New Jersey was the top one. You remember our Act Blue story from March about tons of mysterious cash being funneled into Democratic campaigns by unwitting donors? Well, we just learned that the Republican counterpart to Act Blue, Win Red, is apparently in on it too. Data we obtained from the Federal Election Commission seems to suggest that countless unwitting campaign donors are giving huge amounts of money to various candidates, but they're doing it in thousands of small transactions spread throughout the year. But what exactly are they hiding? We decided to pay a visit to the most active political donor in the state of New Jersey, according to Federal Election Commission data, to try to figure out what's going on. This retired education administrator told me she gives a few bucks here and there to win red a couple of times a month. There's this data that we looked at from this man in Wisconsin who compiled all the FEC data, and your name in New Jersey was the top one. Listen to this. The FEC says Alexandra Gina gave $75,000 last year, donating a total of 10,355 times. They say in 2021 she gave 61000 to candidates in 5,700 separate donations. So far this year, the FEC says Gina has given $16,798 in 2,486 separate donations. What does the FEC say she's donated in the past three years? Just over $154,000. But Gina denies this. How many times do you think you've donated? Is it 100 times? Is it 20 times? Is it just order of magnitude? Did you donate 30 times in two days? I don't, I don't know. I don't think okay. so. It gets weirder. On May 21st of this year, FEC data seemed to indicate that Ms. Gina apparently gave three separate Republican causes a donation of five cents apiece. Those are small. In terms of the number of donations, yes, they are separate, but they're part of one solicitation. Mm -hmm. We reached out to a number of people and didn't get many answers. We tried WinRed, we tried the head of WinRed, we tried the FEC in Washington, but neither would explain these discrepancies or where the money is actually coming from. In fact, no one really wanted to talk about it at all. It sounds like WinRed and Act Blue are attributing thousands of dollars in contributions to unwitting donors and funneling them to political campaigns and multiple micro donations spread throughout the year. Alexandra Gina, who seems to be a victim of the scheme, calls this mind-boggling. But it is disturbing because it's, it's mind-boggling that it should be that much. Maybe that's why they call it dark money. Winred and Act Blue are both political action committees, and they raise money for candidates and their respective parties through online donations. They're now the biggest sources of funding for any campaign by far, processing most of the contributions from individual donors in each election cycle. The FEC does place limits on the amount an individual can donate to a campaign. It's 5000 a year for a single candidate. But there are no limits to what a person can donate to so-called super PACs. A super PAC acts just like a regular PAC, but it operates completely independently from the campaign. They can raise unlimited cash, but they can't coordinate with the campaign or candidate. So is that what's happening? 
Or is it something more sinister, a way to inject foreign dollars into our elections without anybody noticing? Well, with the help of Peter Bernager in Wisconsin, that citizen journalist who led us on the trail of Act Blue, we noticed. There's some dark things happening in this country. We don't know what's going on, so we're trying to figure it out. We have to say both sides might be hiding this dark money, but Democrats do seem to be disproportionately benefiting from the data we reviewed on the FEC website. Everyone talks about George Soros, but I bet you didn't know that Swiss billionaire Hansorg Wise has been pumping hundreds of millions of dollars in this dark money into American elections for years. There's a Swiss billionaire named Hans-Jörg Wies who has been giving hundreds of millions of dollars uh, into these new 501c4 entities that were made possible by the Citizens United decision. He's been contributing like hundreds of millions of dollars to democratic and progressive causes. His own sister wrote a biography and then said in the biography that he specifically wants to remake the, the American Constitution into something that specifically pushes progressive value. We've been following this story for more than a year and our reporting has led to calls for investigations by Marco Rubio. We did the Act Blue story, among other developments. You can count on my team and myself at OMG to keep looking and digging for answers. Well, everybody needs to be held accountable for to make sure that we're keeping foreign money out of elections and we're not having you know mass fraud occur online to influence elections. The story matters to a lot of people. A lot of you have told us this is our biggest and most important reporting yet. And it's not over. You can actually help us report this story. The FEC has a database. You can see it right here. You can go on FEC.gov and you can search for your own individual contributions on file or in your state. Maybe you can knock on some doors, ask these citizens if they've done this, ask to review their bank statements, if, see if those citizens will show you their bank statements. Give it a look. And if you see any irregularities, let us know. Tweet at us. DM us. Upload the footage to O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. As of the date of this recording, we have yet to hear back from the head of Act Blue and Win Red. We will update you the moment we get answers. This is a developing story. We need your help getting answers on all these discrepancies. Maybe one of the biggest stories of the election. Stay tuned. Almost everyone I meet with tells me they're interested in swiping and doing this sort of journalism. And many of you say you would be good at it. Well, now is your chance to do something about it and put skin in the game. We're hosting a training webinar on Thursday, November 2nd at 7 p.m. where we'll go over the technology, the laws, and the undercover techniques of being an American swiper for OMG. Sign up in order to be equipped and empowered to go get stories there you that have can it. be you featured. Can that. On Thank you very much. Uh, there you have it, Sheriff Mack. What do you say to that? Because, listen, we're getting more and more and more evidence of fraud beyond debate every day. What is the media going to say about a lady like that that's like, um, First off, I don't have that kind of money to donate like that. Secondly, there's no way she could donate 8,000, 16,000 times in a year. It's not even possible to get on the Internet and do those kind of donations. Your debit card or your credit card would be stopped. That'd say, wait a minute, there's fraud going on here or something. Okay, it, it isn't even possible. And she flat out admits it. Um, this is hard proof that something strange is going on. What do they mean we say they have no evidence? Well, the first thing you have to wonder, Sam, is what is the Federal Election Commission, FEC, what are they doing about it? They're, they're supposed to be investigating and preventing those types of things. What are they they're doing? Attacking, they're attacking you and me, claiming that we lie about election fraud. That's what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, Sam, this this is 
this is so bizarre that that, that they're not following up with eight thousand different times that one person is supposedly donating first of all it doesn't appear that this lady is the one putting up the money so you already know that there's donation fraud because there's no way she could be paying that kind of money a hundred fifty thousand out of her own uh, bank account so obviously she is letting everyone know that this is fraud. Who yes, is doing is. something about it? Who's doing something about it? Answer, Catherine Engelbrecht, True the Vote, David Clark, Sam Bushman, Richard Mack. We, the people, are absolutely doing this. And I really wanted to highlight this today with David Clark Jr. Uh, and with James O'Keefe because these are two behind-the-scenes things that we've been working on in partnership uh, with these people, and nobody knows about it. Uh, you know what? We're helping with this uh, fractal technology. I'm going to be interviewing Jay, who's the one that developed uh, uh, him and his team developed this technology. I'll interview him on, on the radio this Thursday. Um, David Clark Jr. is the one that connected those people to start this investigations on voter rolls. Uh, James O'Keefe working on this, and we wanted to bring that to the table because he's looking for like-minded journalists. Go to the database. Find out how much you donated. Huh, whether you know it or not. Maybe you didn't, maybe you did, but if enough Americans get involved in this huge, massive vetting project, then the goal is to work with O'Keefe Media Group and call a halt to the con game with so many facts they can't deny it anymore. That's where we're going with this, Sheriff Mack. We're about at a wrap, but your final comment. Well, Sam, it's every day there's something else with voter fraud that shows that the national media is a bunch of liars. There is election fraud. There has been election fraud. And as Sheriff Clark pointed out, the ghost ballots, uh, the harvest harvested ballots, uh, and it goes on and on and on. Sam, there is there are mountains of evidence out there, and we need we need people to go to their sheriffs and ask for investigations. We also need people to join the posse at CSPOA.org. Remember, when you join the posse, that's how we get the funding to do our incredible work. How do we get David Clark on the TV and how do we promote all this? It's with your funding and support. Become a member of the posse today. CSPOA.org for Sam Bushman, Sheriff Clark, Sheriff Mack. God save the republic. If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be. They would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes. The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness and avow once again that all men are created equal. All are entitled to life. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. 
Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff going on. Look, we have not given up on this election fraud issue at the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Not one bit. You say, well, Sam Hackam, it's been so silent. Um, really, because we've been working behind the scenes with a bunch of people. James O'Keefe doing a great job. We played that video in the video uh, on, on the Brideon portion of this broadcast. Uh, look, James O'Keefe getting it done. Why? Did you vote 8,000 plus times? Or did you uh, f- donate 8,000 plus times? Okay, we've got phantom voters. Even, ladies and gentlemen, even Judicial Watch finds eight or 1.8 million ghost voters. This is back in 2020. How do they say there's no election fraud when the Washington Times says we've found 1.8 million ghost voters? Sheriff, this is what I mean. How does the mainstream press continue to lie and say there's no evidence? But the Washington Post reports, that's a credible service, isn't it? That Judicial Watch, a very well-known organization, found 1.8 million ghost votes in 29 states. You think this is just a an isolated incident? And then now you find out James O'Keefe going to people that donate 8,000 times? <laughs> How does that work? That is so phenomenal. Uh, and uh, like the lady said, mind-boggling. Uh, I thought she was really calm about it. I, I, I thought that she might be a little bit more upset. But the thing of it is, it doesn't appear to be her money, so she's not as upset as most of us would be because they're funneling money somehow through her. And uh, it, it's... Uh, well, through her, uh, it, and then the question becomes, and how many others is the real question, right? Well, yeah, and uh, I'd like to find out if uh, my name's on there because I've donated a couple of times to some federal elections. Well, James O'Keefe showed you how. You can go to that database. You can put your name in. You can find out what you have or haven't done. Uh, And my response is this. How come the credit cards didn't get stopped? In other words, if people are donating 8,000 times in the same person's name, Right. How does it not get stopped credit card-wise, Sheriff? I don't care what on the planet you were doing. If you don't have, uh, for example, was it the same credit card that did it over and over in somebody else's name? Was it a debit card that was just like a phantom card? I mean, tracing the money on this should be fairly easy if it was done online, right? Well, that's that's the the mind-boggling thing about this. The paper trail is obviously there. So... It had to have been some form of credit card 
either debit or credit. And whose was it? And how, if it was in her name, how did they funnel money to that account? Well, and how and do they this- say it's in her name, but yet the credit card is it in somebody else's name? Look, you've got to put your name, you've got to put your address, you've got to put a CCV code, you've got to put an expiration date. How many cards yes. were used is the next question. And whose were they? And if it was only one card used, or in other words, how many sources of funds do we have? If she donated 8,000 times, did she use her name 8,000 times and the same card 8,000 times? I mean, this should be absolutely, my bank is able to stop this stuff real time. Okay, this isn't well, rocket course. science that's, to be able to deal with that's this. That's the point. But for some reason, it seems so elusive, nobody can get to the bottom of it. See, and, and that's the part that I don't buy. Amen. Uh, somebody, somebody has to be uh, helping with this. Somebody has to be uh, making this fraud uh, so common. This is happening. Uh, and doable, though. Not to get stopped. I mean, you, you, in other words, you have to pull all the exactly. levers of protection out of the way for this to even happen, is my point. Yeah, and, and so that's what I'm most curious about. Why isn't anybody minding the store here? Uh, and the, the FEC, first of all, uh, it looks like the FEC now uh, needs to be abolished. <laughs> they obviously can't do a simple well, job like this. Either they can't do the simple job or they're part of the problem. Just like the FBI, it's not that they're not even doing a good job. It's that they're doing a hostile to the American people job. They're doing the opposite, right? Right, right, exactly. But I still want to know, before I come to a conclusion on that, I want to know what they're doing. And you know what? I think sheriffs should be investigating this. I, I really do. The yeah, ladies, because if, if the, a voter the, in their county uh, puts a, yeah. a a bunch of donations that are fraudulent, it's their county. That's where the individual resided. That's where the crime was committed. Even if it was online, it was done with a computer or technology, supposedly locally, or maybe not. Right? Yeah, because I I don't trust I don't trust the federal government to investigate this. They're part of the problem. Yeah, they'll go ahead and investigate themselves and tell you it's all good, no problems there. Ladies and gentlemen, what an incredible hour. We are not letting the election integrity issue go by one iota. Let's be very, very clear on that reality check. We've got gun control to deal with, the right to keep and bear arms. We're dealing with that. Every time you join the posse, you help us fund our incredible work. And trust you me, it's happening. CSPOA.org. Become a posse member today. Oh, the posse cranks up in a couple of hours. Join us, would you please? We're also going to start some monthly webinars to spread the word even further. we got a lot going on and need your funding and support. CSPOA.org. For Dr. Or I'm sorry, for Sheriff David Clark Jr., for Sheriff Richard Mack, and yours truly, God save the Republic of the United States of America.